Hey, Northeast Pennsylvania, welcome to the last hour today of the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. 103.1 FM, 910, 980 AM, or anywhere on that Odyssey app. You can also catch us anywhere you get your favorite podcast. Just search The Rob O'Donnell Show, and it's yours. Listen whenever you want. Download it. It's free for you to do when you want to do it. It's uh, 510 here in the studio in Pittston, 60 degrees. It says cloudy outside right now. Really can't see that myself, but hopefully there's a little sun out there for you before the sun goes down. The Rob O'Donnell Show is brought to you by Road Scholar Transport. You have unique shipping needs, and Road Scholar has unique shipping solutions. Dry van, temperature controlled, and high security are just a few. Visit roadscholar.com. And you heard the weather. You know, you're going to football tomorrow night. Bring an umbrella. I will be seeing football on Saturday. Watch the Navy midshipmen take on the Air Force Falcons in Annapolis, one of the commander-in-chief games. For the Commander-in-Chief Trophy. It's always a good time. Always respect my service academies, but it's going to be a great game. The, so, the game is sold out. So far, the weather looks good down there. I'm looking forward to it. And um, it should be a good time. It's, it's a, you know, we're, we're a rebuilding team with the Navy football midshipmen. Air Force always fields a good team. They've always, they actually, they've been in the front running the past two seasons. But uh, we'll see what happens. You know, when these games happen, they're, they're, there's, you can never predict them. I mean, there's so much emotion, so much um, school spirit behind. It's, it's good that it's, uh, it's good that it's home turf. That's always the good. This the midshipmen section. When you have 4,200 midshipmen jumping up and down. It always uh, riles you up, but uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to being in Annapolis today, especially with all everything that's going around in the world, to be around thousands of midshipmen and hundreds of uh, you know Air Force cadets in Annapolis will be uh, a nice breath of fresh air, so I'm looking forward to it. You can call or text the show at 570-883-0098. Talk about what you want to talk about, what's going on in your lives, what do you feel about a USS destroyer, United States destroyer, USS Carney, having to shoot down cruise missiles from Iranian-backed Houthi rebels in Yemen. We'll uh, see where that leads us, and uh, hopefully I'll have some— I, actually, I shouldn't say hopefully. I know I'm going to have good conversations with some flag officers this this weekend to get their take on it, so I'm sure I'll have a lot to say come Monday when I'm back. Let's go to the phones now. We have uh, Ray from Pittston on insurance copays. Ray. Yeah, Bob, I know someone right now, their son is in the emergency room and in bad shape, and they're worried about how they're going to co-pay for some of this insurance. And with the money that this country has just given away to everybody, I think everybody should stick together in this country and nobody co-pay on insurance anymore and demand to Washington, we want our insurance free. It's just not fair the way this country doesn't take care of their own. I I can't I cannot disagree with you. Uh, copays have always been a sticking point for a lot of people. Uh, you know, I I talked about somebody said that how great the Obamacare era was from the Congress. Uh, you know, when I asked what what have they done for us lately, and um, you know, somebody said that their copayment went up from a couple hundred to five thousand. Uh, That's what I'm trying to say. I think if everyone stuck together in this country, they'd have to just start paying it. I mean, see the clown tonight, how much money he's going to give away. I mean, I know Israel's in trouble, but even the Ukraine, I don't trust that Zelensky as far as I can see him. I don't trust that man. 
and I just think it's time to start worrying about home. I really do. I, I agree with you there. I, I think we definitely need to focus more on here and what's happening here, but um, we need a functioning government to do that, and so far I don't believe we have one. We haven't had one in a long time, so who we put there really matters. And um, in order to fix the problems you're talking about, we have to choose carefully on who we put there to hopefully listen to us, because once they get there, they seem to forget where they came from. Oh, yeah, I agree with you. I agree. I just It's just time people stick together and say, we're not going to take this anymore. We're just, we're not. We're just, we, we can't fund the whole world. We just can't. Well, that all. Just, I'm afraid that this country is just going to fall and it's going to turn into a Mad Max movie in this country. I'm, I know maybe it's a little far fetched, but I see it happening. Well, I, I'm watching video now in San Francisco of high school students run through their school hallways chanting uh, down with Israel and pro Palestine. Um, which, which is Hamas. They're, they're supporting terrorists. So it, it's already here. It's going to be among the next war the United States fights. There's going to be part of it fought here amongst us because you have supporters of terrorist organizations that are very adamant about being that. And be it Hamas, be it where, wherever, you know, if it's against China, if it's against North Korea, if it's against Russia. They are, there are already dissidents here that have already shown that they dislike their own country and you know, I think the, the, any battle we fight, the next war we fight, a big portion of it's going to be fought here on our own turf with some of our neighbors. Yeah, it's sad. It really is. But thanks for giving me some time to speak. Love your show. You're doing a great job. I appreciate it, Ray. Thanks for checking in from Pittston. <laughs> Thank you. It's uh, 516 here. Well, there's a new report out that shows that blue counties have a higher murder rate than red and calls out the flawed studies promoted by some Democrats. Now, we've talked about this here before. Crime, and this is exactly what this study says. Crime is a local issue. You can't take just Pennsylvania, for example, You know where Philadelphia and Pittsburgh kind of dominate the uh, scene as far as voting, as far as a lot of things. They kind of bully the rest of the state, especially us here in rural Pennsylvania. Their crime, crime in Philadelphia, does not affect us here in Scranton. Crime in Pittsburgh does not affect us here in Wilkes-Barre. You know, crime is a local issue. But they try and say because you have Chicago and Illinois. You have these states that have Democrat-run cities that have been Democrat-run cities for, for decades— that are utterly failing as far as public safety goes. And they say, well, look, red states are more dangerous. Look at the crime stats for a state. Well, crime stats for a state are not a thing. Crime is local. And that's basically what this, uh, this study says, where it says uh, homicide rates have been higher in Democrat-run blue counties than they have been in red counties since 2002, contradicting a popular talking point recited by prominent liberals like California Governor Gavin Newsom and billionaire George Soros. Newsom has publicly stated that eight of the top ten murder states are red, while liberal megadona Soros wrote a Wall Street Journal op-ed last year saying violent crime in recent years has generally been increasing more quickly in jurisdictions without reform-minded prosecutors, and murder rates have been rising fastest in some Republican states led by tough-on-crime politicians. Again, crime has never been a state issue. It's a local issue. 
Well, this new study cites the Democrat argument, including a recent study, uh, the two-decade red state murder problem used flawed methodology because crime is a local issue, just like I've said here months ago. Therefore, crime analysis must be undertaken at the local level. It is true that red states have higher homicide rates than blue states, but the problem with this crime is hyper-localized phenomenon. It doesn't make sense to talk about it at the state level. It makes sense to talk about it at the local level because that's where the prosecutions occur. The local level crime is handled at the local level by the local police. So when you look at the question on a local basis, namely the county level, you'll see the trend is reversed. And we've said this before. I've said this before, specifically this, when people have tried to say. Now, if you look up the top 20 most crime-ridden cities in the nation, they're all Democrat, every single one. Democrat run for decades. Because that's how crime is determined on a local level. Like I said, are we affected here in Scranton from the crime in Pittsburgh? No, we're not. Not in the least. Are we affected by the crime in Philadelphia here in Wilkes-Barre or Scranton? No. Does Scranton crime affect Philadelphia? or No, it doesn't. It's a local issue. So it's a way for them to manipulate the stats to fit their narrative. Oh, look, these red states are, are the highest there are. And you have people like a George Soros saying, you know, you need to this reinvent the criminal justice system criminal justice before, progressive prosecutors. Well, we've seen how that works. It's, it's literally test cases after test case that have failed miserably. So if you, if you look at the analysis on a state-by-state level, it's 34% higher in red states and blue states, according to the most recent data we analyzed. But when you look at it at the county-by-county county level, it's 60% higher in blue counties than red counties. So the study says that drawing conclusions from a state-level homicide data in such a manner is flawed, and each state consists of a combination of federal, state, local law enforcement agencies, as well as prosecutors with different approaches, law enforcement often based. Again, the district attorney, the radical district attorney in Philadelphia, does not affect our district attorney here in Wilkes-Barre. Two totally opposite Platforms, two totally opposite opposite approaches to criminal justice, to prosecuting criminal justice. And if you, you come locally, you go to the pro, uh, prosecutor in Scranton as opposed to Wilkes-Barre, right next to each other. They're different approaches. Again, yes, if you're traveling through those areas, it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect you. But, you know, if you live in Pennsylvania and you're traveling through Baltimore, it's going to affect you. You need to look at crime stats at a local level. So when they say, well, look at the crime stats of this state, this state has been, you know, has a Republican governor. It's, it's out of control. Crime is out of control. A governor doesn't control the local crime. Not in the least. Can they add additions? Yeah, sure. The governor of New York can send state police to an area to help. But the local prosecutor there is also prosecuting those cases. And if they're not on board, then it goes nowhere. Then that those assets are useless. So, you know, just again, some facts from the Rob O'Donnell show that uh, we like to bring to you every now and then. But, you know, there we go again. It's I just go with assumptions on my show. Assumptions. I just guess. And usually I'm right. You That's assume, the problem. <laughs> you assume. I assume. But, uh, good. you know, 99% of the time my assumptions 
99? I'm only kidding. I don't. That's you I play a lotto for us. I'm later? just saying, they're not assumptions. <laughs> not it's the common sense that sometimes I use. Common sense. There you go. Backed of, by uh, facts. A lot of people can can benefit from common sense. What is that? Oh. <laughs> uh huh. Well, it's 5:22. Nikki's been running around today. Uh, yeah. It's time for traffic and weather. Uh, this Pentella Data Internet Traffic Update is brought to you by Energy Technologies HVAC. We have an accident 80 westbound in the uh, Strasburg area, right by East Strasburg, exit 307. That coming in on the jam line that is backing up both directions of 80. 81 dips below 30 miles per hour coming between Scranton and Pittston. Morgan Highway is still a bit jammed up as well this afternoon. And there was an accident in the Glenburn area on Route 6 and 11 that maybe is just slowing you up a tinge. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line 5. 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone, W-I-L-K, Traffic. I was just slow and so you could finish reading whatever you were reading. Right. <laughs> trying to multitask here. I can't make assumptions, so i got to read. Yes. <laughs> Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. Tonight, mostly cloudy and mild, low 53. Friday, showers possible in the afternoon, high 63. Saturday, spotty showers and becoming breezy in the afternoon, high 59. Sunday, partly sunny and windy at times, with a few sprinkles, high 50. It's currently 59 degrees and cloudy here at 523 at your official weather station, WILK. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It is 527 here at the station, 59 degrees. Got a text message that came in and said, uh, Rob, did you know that the homicide rate in Philadelphia is down 20% in 2023? That's great. It is. It absolutely is. But it's still higher than it has been between 2008 and 2019 every single year. It's higher this year than any one of those years. So, yes, it is down 20% from 2020, 2021, and 2022. Actually, it's only down 20% from 2022. But in 2020, 2021, and 2022, it was higher than it is this year. But this year's homicide rate in Philadelphia is still higher than any year between 2008 and 2019. So again, everything's um, you know looking at the full data. Just because you have a one-year decrease is, is going in the right direction, but it doesn't mean the city's safer than it was, say, three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago, eight years ago, nine years ago, ten years ago. So, uh, so um, yeah, that's where we are with that. Something that definitely affects us, especially up near me. I mean, multiple of my neighbors are farmers, but the uh, Department of United States Department of Agriculture officials say there's been a drastic drop in U.S. farms over the past four decades, causing pain in rural areas. And I've seen it myself. And there is no one that works harder than the American farmer. Some of the toughest stuff I've seen done. You don't believe me? Go go to your local farmer and go look to throw some bales of hay. Go to a dairy farm and, you know, do some milking for a day. Wake up at uh, 4 o'clock in the morning and go to bed at 10 o'clock at night. It's crazy. And I've, I've done it and I've seen it done. It's unbelievable the work they do. And then there's times when those milk prices are not right. You know, it's costing them $250 a day just to wake up in the morning. But they have to wake up. They have to milk the cows. They have to tend the cows. Just can't leave them unmilked. 
So it's it's crazy. But uh, it's a, impacting families in more ways than one, and no doubt. And we've seen it here because you have this the new generations coming up that don't want to be farmers. They want to do other things. So what happens to these farms? What happens if you can't find people to lease your ground and still farm it? What happens to us, the consumer, on the back end of that, who benefits from, you know, dairy farmers, black Angus farmers, from our vegetable farmers, from our fruit orchards? It's uh, it's not a good uh, avenue we are going down because our country is losing farms in large quantities. Surprised to learn that we've lost 438,000 farms since 1981. Just to give you a sense of how many farms that is, it's uh, every farm in Iowa today, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, South Dakota, Nebraska, and Colorado. Over that same period, 141.1 million acres of former farmland no longer being farmed today across the country. Illinois is a top soybean producer in the country with 15% of all U.S. soybeans being produced in Illinois. So the lack of farms is impacting different areas. It's a lot of land. And again, it's going to come down to us at the back end because we're the one who's going to suffer. We've seen it with dairy farmers. We've seen it with chicken farms. These conglomerates that are huge, and you pass them. We, we pass them. If you go down to the Pennsylvania Turnpike, north the northern extension, there's a couple of chicken farms on either side. And those are small operations. When I was down in uh, on my way to Virginia Beach, you pass the Purdue Farms. You pass the uh, one of the other big chicken. It was Purdue and something else. They're huge conglomerates that, that you know, used to lease out these little mom-and-pop farms around our area. You know, I know some of the farms I used to hunt were Lando Lake farms, where they would come and send their trucks to get the milk. They were leased by Lando Lakes, where the, the home farmer owned his land and uh, had his crop for Lando Lakes. You know, dairy farmer, milkers. It was uh, extraordinary to see the, the work that this one, or, one man did with a farm helper. But, you know, when Milk prices, when they were looking to put them out to make everything, these huge conglomerates, it was costing him $250 a day just to wake up. How do you live like that if that's extended? So more, and that farmer that I, that I know hunted his land, doesn't have any children to take over his farm. What happens when he just can't do it anymore? I mean, he was older than me then. You know, he's got to be about 70 now. And we're losing those farmers because they don't have the kids that want to go into farming. That next level. They don't have friends and family that want to take over and lease the farm and work it. And that, in the end, is going to affect us. But just in, in Illinois, far, the, the number of Illinois Farm Bureau show that Illinois is the second top corn-producing state in the country, with 13% of our country's supply of corn being grown in Illinois farms. The farmland makes up 76% of all Illinois' land. But if we're not working it, if our farmers are not working it, who is? And we're losing them at record rates. So uh, in the end, it's going to cost us more. We're going to depend on a lot more, and a lot of people are going to be having to get gardens in their own property. Because at some point, it's just not going to be available. Or so expensive, it'll be out of reach for us.
It's 534 here at WILK. We'll be back after the news with Paul Michaels. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 539, 59 degrees and cloudy. Well, Paul Michaels took a little bit of my thunder, but we lost uh, actor Burt Young, who played uh, Paulie from the Rocky series. And one of my favorite uh, depictions of him in movies was uh, with Rodney Dangerfield, Back to School, where he was the chauffeur slash bodyguard for him. But a great actor. I, I believe he's got a, a ton. I'm looking through some of the movies. But he was born in 1940. Passed away. He was nominated for one Oscar. Seven wins and eight nominations for awards for his craft. And like I said, he's mostly known from the Rocky trilogy. But there's a ton of... Uh, of movies here that he was a part of. But one of my favorites, I'm sure Jake can uh, relate, was Back to School, where he was the Rodney Dangerfield chauffeur slash uh, bodyguard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that was one of the one of the uh, favorites for mine. But he was always good in Rocky. Uh, he was not in the final Creed series. They uh, killed him off before then. But... Uh, Again, um, loss to the community, if you're the acting community, no doubt. So uh, thoughts go out to those who were fans and family of his, but uh, we wanted to get that in there a little bit and let you guys know about what's going on. It's 541 here at WILK. We'll be back uh, after traffic and weather. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. Tonight, mostly cloudy and mild, low 53. Friday, showers possible in the afternoon, high 63. Saturday, spotty showers and becoming breezy. In the afternoon, high 59. Sunday, partly sunny and windy at times with a few sprinkles, high 50. It's currently 59 degrees and cloudy here at 542 at your official weather station, WILK. So you're here with the Rob O'Donnell Show at WILK News Radio. It is 556, 59 degrees and cloudy. You can call or text at 570-883-0098. Get in uh, some thoughts before we close down the show for today. Let's go to uh, Joe from Trips Park. Joe. Hey, Rob, how are you? What's going on? Uh, you know, it just it's funny. I was just watching Yellowstone last night, <laughs> catching up on season five, and uh, you know they're I guess coming close to losing the ranch. You know, it, it makes me think. You know, we one of our biggest strengths is our ability to defend ourselves, be energy independent, be independent. We can feed ourselves. We don't have to rely on any outside source for anything. I mean, if we really want to, we could be energy dependent. We have, I mean, for political reasons, we're not. But that's the you look at countries like China, they won't invade Taiwan because if you put the sanctions on them that we put on the Russians, they would have a famine in a year. They depend on the outside world for everything. We don't want to put ourselves in that position. And, um, I mean, in modern, in, in modern times, it's just hard to keep the farms going because naturally people tend to have less kids these days. And, I mean, kids are free labor. I know I take advantage of that with my kids. And, uh, <laughs> Mine are all gone you know, now. I got to get some new free labor. Oh yeah, well if you know if you want some, bro. <laughs> but um, you know, it's just I, 
without that, without farms, we can feed ourselves. And that is an incredible weakness. When we're writing foreign policy, we want to do it from a position of strength, not have any vulnerabilities. Not being able to feed ourselves is a huge one, and it could be a national security risk at some point and uh, change the way we make policies if we don't be careful with what we do there. It's it's 100% true. You know, I try and be as self-sufficient as I can just on my property. You know, I planted a, a nice big app, uh, fruit orchard, you know, and I have a vegetable garden that we have. I had free-ranging chickens. I don't have many more because, again, I don't have kids to take care of them. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I got a, a black Angus from my neighbors. I get a pig every fall from my neighbors who's both farmers and, uh, you know, have them butchered locally to fill the freezers. Uh, you know, I try to be as self-sustaining as I can. You know, there are some obviously things that we need. You know, I do a lot of canning. I do a lot of, you know, making my own wine. I make my own jellies. Uh, you know, I, I make my own salsas and, and preservatives and such like that. So uh, it, it is, you know, it's, it's a skill set that I love having. It's a skill set that I'm glad I taught my children. But, you know, seeing the farmers in my area, seeing the farmers, how it's grown, where, yeah, they're, they're not the big families that we used to have because farmers can't afford big families anymore. You know, they're just getting by, especially what what's happened to the milk prices, what's happened to the meat prices, chicken, poultry, and, and, and even our vegetables. You know, we've seen it time and time again, and it's sad that, that we're losing this, and uh, hopefully, hopefully there's a resurgence in it. There's been a lot of resurgence in hobby farms. You know, you bring up Yellowstone, they constantly yeah. talk about yeah. the hobby farms and stuff that took over that area from the ranchers. Um, you know, hopefully we see that again. We have a lot. I mean, we see like our, our Robas, our Lakeland Orchard. You know, our, there's a bunch of them up here, Ritters, uh, up by me. And I'm sure there's a lot more that I'm, not, I'm leaving out that are getting the people from the cities up there to see that kind of lifestyle and, and to cater to them. And hopefully they see it and take it in because, you know, if they enjoy it recreationally, hopefully they take it to the next step and start promoting it and doing it. And we get more of them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we need to get farmers to turn a profit. You know, if there's a profit, more people will do it, and we just need that. You know, China doesn't need to own Smithfield Farms. We don't need, we don't need foreign countries owning farms here, and, and, and then at the same time have our own farmers losing their farms because they just can't afford to run them anymore. It's burning the candle at both ends. I hope the government steps in because this can't be a national security. We have to be able to feed ourselves. So um, I just hope they straighten that up. It will indeed, and it'll affect our inner cities first because uh, most of us here in rural Pennsylvania or east, even in the suburbs, you know, have a little bit of skill set where they're they're proud of their little gardens or their their hobby farms or whatever they have. Joe, I appreciate you checking in. Yeah. Much like always. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go to uh, Joe from Berwick on crime. Joe, how are you doing today? Uh, hello, Rob. Thanks for having me on. So I hear you talk about this, and, and see, this whole war on crime, that we ought to call it, is not just happening, as you know, in police, uh, in, in policing. It's also happening in corrections. So I recently read this article where the uh, editor of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette is calling for some law to put an end to what he calls solitary confinement, even though no such thing actually exists anywhere within any prison in America. Solitary confinement doesn't exist. What they're actually talking about is the fact that, say, for instance, this individual who just escaped from our county jail and caused all this ruckus and all these uh, all this money looking for him and, you know, so when an individual like that 
proves he is uh, an escape risk, he will be put into a a, a certain category called, you know, a, a either disciplinary custody or administrative custody where he has extremely limited access to resources, to people, and even getting out of his cell. It's extremely limited without certain security measures in place. Now, that, of course, is done to keep them from doing things like he did or from uh, harming other prisoners or whatnot. So what these individuals are doing, and, they, and they're not going to stop until they, they – they do this just like they've done with bail reform and all the other stupid ideas they've done, regardless of the consequences. So what's going to happen here, Rob, is, okay, in, in the urban areas, unfortunately, uh, where, where they already had high crime and now it's even that much worse, unfortunately, the people who live there don't seem to want to call their politicians to task. And people who live like in our listening area just kind of blow it off and say, oh, that's the way it is. But let me let me tell you where, where something like this is going to end up. Your DA tells somebody who's a victim of a terrible crime, oh, don't be afraid to go to court and testify. We can protect you. This person is going to go to jail for a long time. Yeah, if, if they actually stayed in jail, that would be true. But because of how jails are being so severely compromised, just like policing is being compromised, these individuals can no longer be controlled in jail. And on top of everything else that's going to happen, uh, such as, you know, uh, staff staff being assaulted and staff burnout and, and cost overrun and everything else, not being able to control these institutions means when your DA tells you, oh, I'll put this person away forever, uh, that's not necessarily so. When the security's compromised, these individuals can escape from these places much uh, easier and get out and go after the people who testified against them. Unfortunately, I see something like that happening uh, before people actually start to get wise again, and this becomes a hot-button political issue. But it's it's you know I'm sitting here watching this like you as somebody who who did all these years in law enforcement and just shaking my head and saying what what do people actually need to see before they realize what kind of an idiot Soros is and the Democrats who he has uh, put in office to do all this nonsense uh, you know how, how do they not get it but unfortunately they're not going to until it affects them. No, no doubt. Did you see the article where a correctional officer, where that escapee from from Southern Pennsylvania, gave a warning Absolutely. a month a month in advance that he was going to plan an escape? Absolutely, and 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 that's exactly the sort of thing I'm talking about. He, I read that I knew exactly what went on. He went to his shift commander and said, "This is what's going on," and you know, because of these individuals being coddled now and, and, and a reluctance to deal with these individuals within the institution, that's exactly what's going on. You, you hit the nail right on the head. And, and unfortunately it's, it, you know, th this is why prison, prison guards, they can't find people to work anymore. They're, they're, they're hosting these seminars where they're saying, Oh, please come work in prisons. Listen, People like me who retired from there are out telling people, 
it's not worth it. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. We're yeah. going to have to leave it there, Joe, because I'm up against the end of the show. Yeah. I appreciate you, you calling Rob. in. Thank you for your input. It's uh, 5.55 here at WILK. We'll be back to close out the show in just a minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. Well, that's it for today. And uh, good conversations, good times. A um, lot going on, a lot of moving parts we'll have to keep an eye on. Again, prayers to our active duty military that are serving our nation, making us free here at home, that are in harm's way now. We know that for sure. So uh, let's say a prayer tonight that uh, this doesn't escalate to uh, a more wider conflict. But if it does... I'm sure our American military is ready for that that challenge, no doubt. But are we? Are we as Americans? Are we as people? We've seen a quite a different divide here at home, a lot of which you know, believes utter nonsense. Rhetoric to support terrorists. Well, that's it for the Rob O'Donnell Show. We'll see you guys tomorrow. God bless, be safe, and we'll do it again tomorrow.